Well, hello once again, everybody online. I mentioned that wherever you are, but also those of you here in uh, in our audience here at Legacy. It's really cool to see human beings and people as as things are opening up. People are coming back. Of course, it was fun last week at Easter, uh, experiencing that too. And, uh, and it just, it, it, they're kind of, it's just kind of fun times right now. You know, it's been a hard season for about a year. And now as things are beginning to open up, flowers are blooming, birds are chirping. I don't know. It's just, you know, it's kind of, kind of a good time. And, uh, in keeping with that, uh, fun times, great times, uh, many of you are aware of, many of you know, our founding pastor, uh, Gene Getz. He's the one who started our church, handed the baton to me about 18 years ago now. Just crazy to think it's been that long. And, um, and, and he's an amazing person. And whether you know him or not, he loves you. He's praying for you. He and Elaine uh, are, do, are, are just great prayer warriors for this, warriors for this church and, um, and are part of our church. And all that to say, he got COVID in the summer and has not been home. For all these months, for like nine months, has not been home. And today, uh, at the end of the week, he went home. So that's awesome. And uh, and we're so thankful. So, Gene, we love you. Uh, we're praying for you as you continue to recover. You are amazing. And we're so thankful for you. Um, so as we as we think about, you know, these, uh, you know, fun times and things opening up and getting better and all that kind of stuff. Why not do a series about death? Right. That'd be fun. Right. Let's do that. Coming out of a pandemic. Let's do that. You know, and and, uh, and I'm sure some of you are wondering that. Right. You're thinking, yeah, why? Why do we want to think about that? You know, why are we doing that? And I get it. I mean, when do you ever want to think about one minute after you die? It's like my uh, granddad was a pastor. And when he and my grandmother got married, uh, he, they didn't have any money at all. And so they couldn't afford a wedding. So they uh, got a couple of friends and sort of eloped. They just went to, they found a country preacher who would marry them uh, for cheap. And, uh, and this guy was really young and really nervous. He hadn't done many weddings or anything. So uh, they, they start the ceremony and the guy has his book of ceremonies and he starts out their wedding and he says, dearly beloved, we're gathered here to get day and great sorrow uh, to honor the memory of, and he goes on and my granddad was like, Hey doc, you're on the wrong page. Like you're not trying to bury us. You're trying to marry us. And he's like, Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. So, you know, got to the right place. My granddad loved telling that story, how their marriage started with a funeral and it only got better from there. And he just, he loved that story. And I, because that's not a time you want to think about Right. Death and funerals and that kind of thing. Um, and, and you can think, well, do we ever really want to do that? But um, let me talk about that just a little bit, because it's actually really, really important for us to think about what we're thinking about in this series. It will be really an interesting and fun series, but also really important to even think about the death part. I mean, we're going to talk about heaven and all that as well. But you think, well, do I ever really want to think about that? Well, there's several reasons to think about it uh, and, and why it's important. One is all of us will experience it unless Jesus comes back in our lifetime and we are raptured up to heaven without dying. Um, then we're going to all experience death. The death rate right now is right at 100 um, percent. Gallup did a survey and they found out that one out of every one person is going to die. You know, that's the way it works. And so we will all we will all experience death and what happens after death. And so it's pretty important to say, yeah, what is that going to be about? 
How can I get ready for that? Um, second reason it's important is we, we all actually have experienced death, not our own death, but the death of people we love. And it always throws us for a loop because death wasn't the original part of God's plan that came along with sin and it never feels right because it's just not right. Like it's not, and it's always, uh, always raises lots of questions, right? And I'm sure you do about loved ones. Like, where are they? And are they okay? And will I see them again? And we'll talk about some of that. Uh, another reason it's really important to think about this, to think about death and what happens one minute after you die and then after that, um, is because thinking about that helps us be intentional, helps us think differently and live differently in this life now. David in Psalm 39 prayed this, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. I, I, I participated in a memorial service today. And it just made me think, wow, life is so fleeting because I knew these people for a long time and now she's with the Lord in heaven and that's great. But it just felt like that the years that we did ministry together, the years we hung out together, just like that. And when you realize that no matter even if you live a long life, it doesn't it's compared to eternity. It's just nothing. It's so short. And when you really think about that, you think, man, I want to make my life count. I want to make sure I'm living my life in light of that reality. Another wonderful thing to keep in mind, too, is we think about one minute after you die and you might think, oh, I don't want to think about death. Is actually death is not such a bad thing to think about anymore. After Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the dead. Death is not something when you say it, you have to have like a, a organ with minor keys like death. And you go, because it's actually not. God defeated death. Jesus defeated death at the resurrection. There's nothing to be afraid of. First Corinthians 15, Paul said, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death is your victory? Where, O oh, death is your sting? Jesus, by resurrecting from the dead, took away the power of death. There's no more sting of death. Hebrews 2.14 says, so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You and I do not need to be in slavery of fear of death. We don't need to be going around fearing death because Jesus conquered death and what he offers is life forever with him. And therefore, death is just a transition to something way better than life now. And as we and that's what we're going to be talking about. So there's no reason to dread the topic. There's no reason to avoid the topic, because once we know what the people in the New Testament knew, then we can understand why everybody, every New Testament believer that talks about death, talks about it in a way that they're longing for it, looking forward to it because of what's on the other side of that. Even in the pandemic, people were so afraid of dying and death. And I, I don't I mean, I don't want to die early either. It's not like I was going around kissing people with covid to get it or something. I don't I, I'm not going to try to end my life. I want to be a good steward of the life God gave me. But at the same time, I like, well, you know, if that happens, I mean, that's actually that's that's good. That's better. Like that's not I, I don't want to die, you know, before God wants. But but if I did, it's not like a terrible thing. Like this is a good thing. Like this would be better for that to happen. So. Why would I say that? And well, that's what we're going to talk about in this series. And we're going to look at what happens one minute after you die and then beyond that. And how we answer that question is we're going to look at what the Bible says about it, because that's what we are. Like we're Christians. We look at the Bible. So if you were an atheist, you'd say, well, what happens one minute after you die? Nothing. You just die. 
If you're an agnostic, you'd say, we don't know what happens. If you're uh, in Eastern mythology or Eastern religions, you'd say maybe you're going to maybe you'd be a another animal or a moose or something higher than that, depending on how you lived your life in reincarnation. Um, and if that's all fine, it's just that's not how we're going to answer the question, because we're people of the book. We're people who we believe God uh, revealed truth to us in the scriptures. And that's what we're going to look at. And, and that also includes people who've written books and even had movies who've uh, who've had experiences where they've had near death experiences or maybe died and then uh, were, you know, came back to life, were resuscitated and they saw things like saw the light or saw Jesus or saw relatives they hadn't seen or little kids who saw relatives they'd never met. And all that's interesting. I'm not discounting it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying they shouldn't talk about it. It's their experience. I'm all for them. Um, it's just not what I'm going to base my theology on. So we're not going to really talk about that. That stuff's out there. It's interesting. It's just not what we base our theology on. So we're going to focus on this and just say, okay, what does the Bible say and what do we know? And we're going to look uh, today at the immediate state, meaning what happens really one minute after you die between now and when Jesus comes back and makes a new heaven and a new earth. What happens now? Next week, we'll actually spend two weeks talking about heaven, uh, the new heaven and new earth. And that's way different than we think. And it's really cool in how different it is. And, and so we're going to talk about that. The last week of the series, week four, we'll talk about the other place. You know about the other place? Uh, that'll be fun to talk about. Um, I'm going to have to, I don't know, maybe one of you wants to come talk about that. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that. It's actually important to understand judgment and all that too. Um, so today we're going to start out talking more about the immediate state. When I say that is like what happens right now between now and when Jesus returns, makes a new heaven and a new earth. And from the scriptures, there's some a lot of things, of course, we don't know. I've never been there, but there's a lot of things we do know. And so that's what we're going to focus on. So here's the first thing we know is that when we die, the soul separates from the body temporarily in this intermediate state between now and when Jesus returns and somebody dies the soul separates from the body temporarily. Now, there's a lot of things that we have in common as human beings. Uh, everybody here probably has a nose and ears and right. There's things like that. But another thing that we have in common is that we are we have a body and we have a soul and they're distinct from each other. That's why Jesus in Matthew 28 says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. So we all have a body. We all have a soul, but they're distinct. Ecclesiastes 12, 7, the dust returns to the ground it comes from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. When we pass away, our body returns to the ground. Our spirit uh, goes somewhere else. And notice I said uh, temporarily earlier that when we die, our, our body stays down here. We bury the body or somebody gets cremated, whatever. And then the soul goes somewhere else. We'll talk about, well, where does that go here in a minute? Um, but. Eventually, when Jesus returns, our bodies will actually be reunited with our souls and it won't be the way they they're not going to be decomposed or ashes or anything like that. It'll be a resurrected body, a perfect body that we'll have for all eternity. We'll talk about I know that raises a lot of questions like do I get to pick what I look like? Do I get a different nose? Do I get you know what can I do? I, we all get a 12 pack. You know what? But we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Um, but for now, we seem to know that. The soul separates from the body. You think, well, where does it go? Well, we know some things there. The soul either goes to Hades or heaven 1.0. That's what I'm calling heaven 1.0. Um, Hades, we'll talk about in the last week. 
That's the holding place for those who go into eternity, who die holding on to their sin, awaiting God's judgment. And we'll talk about that last week. For those who know the Lord, which is what we're going to be thinking about for really the rest of this talk, is for those who know Jesus, who know the Lord, then their soul immediately goes to heaven 1.0. That's where God is. Now, we'll talk about how is 1.0 different than 2.0 here in a minute. But 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, Therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. He's saying when when a a believer is absent from the body, in another translation, we are present with the Lord. So when a person dies, they're absent from the body. Their body stays here. Their soul is with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So you think, well, my loved ones, and they died, where are they? Are they still on the ground? Are they floating around somewhere? Are they in this nebulous place? They are not a nebulous place. They are in heaven with the Lord. Philippians 1, 21, 24. Paul is thinking about that because he's in prison for his faith and he doesn't know if he's going to get killed or not. Now, in this first imprisonment in the book of Philippians, he does not get uh, killed. He eventually does die for his faith later in his life. But at this point, he didn't know. And he's thinking, you know, I wonder which I'd choose if I had a choice. And so he says, well, for me to live is Christ, meaning his mission, his purpose and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I get to live the mission in this planet, be part of what God is doing in this dark and broken world through his church. And that's cool. Yeah, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Remember that phrase? But it is more necessary for you, the church, that I remain in the body. He's saying, if I stay here, I get to do more ministry in a broken world. But if I go, if I die, I get to be with the Lord, which is better by far, which is super encouraging to me, because like most of you, I've lost people that I love, meaning people have died. They've gone before me. Uh, Many of you know, because I've talked about it over the last few months, my brother, you know, is one of those people who's a chase oaker in Alabama. Uh, before he passed away. Now, I guess he's a chase oaker in heaven, uh, but he died, you know, about five, four or five months ago. And I miss him all the time. I mean, we were close and we were tight. And, uh, and, and when I was on vacation before Easter, I was on vacation a couple of weeks. And because oh, I, I wrote, a, I worked on writing a book one week in Colorado and then did vacation. So for two weeks, I didn't shave. And some of you saw that on Facebook and I put it out there. Should I keep it or not? And most of you voted, yes, keep it for Easter. Uh, but then a bunch of people started saying, hey, uh, here's how you maintain it. You got to buy this. And I was, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm not maintain. I don't need anything else to maintain. I'm going to shave the thing off. So I shaved it off. But my brother had a beard and he always wore a hat, like a ball cap, almost always when he wasn't at work. And, and, and on vacation, I wear a ball cap a lot. I had the beard. And every time I looked in the mirror, it was like looking at my brother. I just looked just like my brother. And I always wanted to talk in the mirror. It's like, oh, Steve. But then I realized, oh, you're not you. It's me. It's, you know, you're in heaven. Um, so I miss him. But at the same time, I know where he is and where he is is better by far than when he was here. He's not just doing okay; He's doing better by far than okay, Because he's with the Lord in heaven. 
Well, that raises some questions, right? I've talked about heaven 1.0 and many of you have sent in questions. Keep sending them in. Uh, but what is heaven 1.0 like? Uh, because Jesus will return. He'll make a new heaven, a new earth, what I'll call a 2.0. But what is heaven 1.0 like? In thinking about that, Wayne Grudem, who's a theologian, says Christians often talk about living with God in heaven forever. But in fact, the biblical teaching is richer than that. It tells us that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, an entirely different creation. And we will live with God there. There will also be a new kind of unification of heaven and earth. There will be a joining of heaven and earth in this new creation. We'll talk about the new heaven and the new earth next starting next week. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. When Jesus told his disciples, hey, I, I, you know, I'm going away, but it'll be OK because uh, I'm preparing a place for you. That place he's preparing is heaven 2.0 and it's going to be great and it's going to be awesome. And that's not what exists now. But heaven 1.0 is not so shabby either. And uh, when Jesus talked to the thief on the cross uh, who believed, he said, today you will be with me in paradise he didn't say today you'll be with me in Pittsburgh. So you just right, not nothing against Pittsburgh. I'm sure it's awesome. Never been there. But, you know, but anyway, he calls it paradise. So it's not bad, but it's not heaven in its fullness. The new heavens and the new earth. Raises some more questions. Uh, this one came in. Uh, a lot of people ask this question. What is my loved one like in heaven? Uh, 1.0. Like right now, if they're with the Lord, what are they like? Does he or she still have the same personality? Now, I don't know if that... If they were wanting to say, I hope they don't or I hope they do on the personality thing. Um, but yes, uh, our, our soul is our consciousness, our personhood, our personality uh, that, that goes to be with the Lord. So your loved one is still your loved one is still the same person. They're just a perfect version of your loved one. Um, they no longer are affected by sin. And so they're like all the lovable parts of who you knew, just not the other stuff. So, in fact, if you're here today um, at the campus here at Legacy with somebody, maybe your uh, friend or boyfriend or girlfriend or brother or sister or parent or spouse, um, or you're at home right now or wherever you're at online driving around or whatever, if you're, if you're with somebody, just look at them and, and say, you know, in heaven, you'll be the same person. You just won't be a pain in the rear anymore. That's kind of the deal. Okay, so that's I think that's good news, right? Um, another question is, will they remember me? And from what we see in the Bible, that's a very clear yes. Um, they uh, people in heaven are very aware of, of people who aren't there yet that they knew. And so, yes, they will remember you won't get to heaven. And you're all so excited about seeing your grandparent or something They're like now. Who are you? What are you? You know, why are you talking to me? Um, they will uh, they're the same person. Those relationships continue and they're looking forward to seeing you as well. And uh, in we, one of the passages that demonstrates that it's a really strange passage in the Bible. Um, it's where this Old Testament king named Saul um, has a really bad idea to get advice because he doesn't know what to do. And he's used to always going to this guy named Samuel, who was a prophet. And yet Samuel had died. So he's freaking out. The guy I always go to is dead. What am I going to do? So he goes to this person who claims to be able to talk to the dead um, in which God says, don't do that. And I don't think this person had ever actually talked to anybody who's dead, but God lets it happen. That's the weird part of the story. God is like, this will be interesting. And so he just lets it happen. And, I'm, and it totally freaks that person out um, because Samuel actually comes from heaven to talk to Saul. And Samuel is not so happy about it, by the way, because it's better by far. He's like, what the heck are you doing? You know, don't you know what God says about this? But he knew Saul and he knew the situation. And it wasn't like he's like, who are you? I don't remember you. He absolutely knew him. 
Can they see what's going on down here? That's actually a pretty creepy question if you think about it. Right? If everybody can heaven can just, they're looking down all the time, then I'm never taking a shower again without a robe on, right? I'd just be like, all right, I'm going to tell everybody, look, everybody look the other way, okay? I don't want to be thinking about you up there looking at me. I just, you know, don't. Um, so, but is that, like, is that the way it is? Can they see everything? Or are they just completely blocked off and unaware of what's happening? And from what I see in the scriptures, uh, I would say it's somewhere in the middle of that. It's somewhere in between that. Meaning, uh, I don't think they see everything that's going on all the time, like they're just looking down all the time or something like that. So you can go to the bathroom later and not worry about it. However, uh, there's uh, evidence that they are generally aware of what's going on down here. Like in that example I just used about Saul and Samuel, when Samuel talks to Saul, he knew what Saul had been up to. He'd been up to no good. And Samuel's like, what are you thinking? Like, what are you doing? Like, and, I mean, he was aware generally of the mistakes that Saul was making and was able to talk about it. In the book of Revelation, uh, you see these martyrs, uh, people who've been killed for their faith in heaven. They have a special place in heaven 1.0 for those who've been killed for their faith. And they're crying out to God as they see injustice happening on the earth. And they're crying out to God for justice. And they're saying, God, how can you keep not doing anything? When are you going to bring your justice? Look at these people who are suffering and it's not right. And when are you going to make it right? We'll talk about that the last week. And but they are generally aware of what's happening down here. Uh, Hebrews 13 has, is, is a passage. It talks about people who've gone on before who are believers in it, it. It makes it seem like they're like in the stands and they're cheering us on as we live the mission uh, as his people, as his church. So, yeah, I believe I don't know. If they're seeing everything that's happening, but they are aware of what's going on down here. Another thing we know is that death for a believer or death really anybody, but death is not an end, but a new beginning, a departure uh, the, the most common word that believers use in the New Testament to describe their own death is the word departure. We saw it earlier in Philippians. Paul says, I don't know what to do because I, I kind of like to depart and be with the Lord. Departure. At the end of his life, when, right before he actually does die, he says the time for my departure is at hand. And the word departure is not an ominous word. It's an adventure word. It's a positive word in the original language of the New Testament. It's like uh, it's just like departures when you go on trips now. You know, if you go to the airport, like a friend of mine, uh, who a pastor buddy of mine, who uh, grew up in a home that was pretty eccentric, uh, wealthy and eccentric at the same time. His dad owned his own company, had a lot. He was busy, but he had a lot of freedom that he loved to travel. And so he would just on impulse decide, you know what? We should go somewhere for a week as a family and with no planning, no warning. He would call his wife from work and say, Hun, uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna come pick you up right now. We're gonna get the kids out of school. We'll make it, you know, the school's just gonna have to live with it. And we're gonna go to the airport. We're gonna decide where we're gonna go. Nobody packed a thing. Uh, nobody prepared anything. They had no idea where they were going. My friend, as a kid, they would look at the departure, all the departure cities and times, and everybody got a vote. And you could vote for anywhere you wanted to go in the world. So it might be Indonesia, it might be Austria, it might be Russia, it might be somewhere in South America. They had no idea where they were going. And the idea is they would just buy stuff to wear when they got to wherever they were at. And that was the that, that happened all the time in their family. It'd be kind of a fun way to live. Now, in this case, you're not looking at departures and deciding. You're actually already going to the best place possible, and that's where Jesus is. 
And so therefore, when people talk about death, they don't talk about it as an end, as an ominous thing. They talk about it as a departure, a new beginning, an adventure where our soul is what is created to be and and all of its fullness. And and, and therefore, the, the Bible is not negative about death. And one minute after he dies, people long to be with the Lord better by far. That's why Paul said to the Thessalonians, he said, hey, we grieve when we lose loved ones because we're going to miss them. But we don't grieve like those who have no hope because we know what happens. We know where they are. And therefore, we can grieve because we miss them. And that's okay to grieve when somebody dies. And it's okay to be sad. That's part of the deal. But we'll see them again. And when you think about that, all that, then you think, well, okay, thinking about death is really not that bad. In fact, it can be really, really helpful to think about our death because it, as we said, changes the way we think about life now. And at times, uh, life will force that on us. Uh, One of those times in my life I was reminded of last week in our uh, Easter services back in our green room at our legacy campus, uh, one of the singers um, is named Avery. She's a, a teenager, a junior in high school. And she was talking about prom and how that's going to happen with COVID and all at their at her school. And it's kind of weird, you know, how everything is, is people are trying to figure that out. And, uh, and so it just brought me back to that time in my life when I was 17. And I I met or, or I, I dated. I didn't meet. I dated her for four years. A girl named Debbie in high school, um, all four years of high school. But she went to a different high school. And so it meant that I uh, I always went to. And as a guy, you're having to pay for it, uh, two homecomings and two proms and that kind of thing. Right. And I'm not really big on dances and dancing. I know that's a shocker because some of, you know, you know, I got the moves. But at that time in my life, I really didn't have the moves. And so I just wasn't. I, so I, I, my junior year in high school, I thought I was getting out of her homecoming dance because uh, for this, it, it happened the same time as this weekend that I'd been invited to with uh, five friends of mine who were older than me. I was 17. They were in their early 20s and they were involved in this ministry called the Navigators, this organization called the Navigators. And uh, and they're really big in scripture memory and memorizing Bible verses, among other things, and growing spiritually. It's a great organization. And there was a conference in Virginia that weekend and they said, hey, do you want to go along? And I was just the kid, you know, 17. But I was like, man, I would love to do that. And Carol and Bob were brother and sister who were going on that trip that I knew pretty well and really godly people. And and I thought, yeah, I'll do that. So I started memorizing. I had my little cards and memorizing these Bible verses, getting ready and go to this conference and really looking forward to it. We we're also going to fly, fly, fly a private plane. Uh, one of the five that were going was a pilot and he had his own plane. He was a little bit older. And uh, he was going to fly us there. I'd never flown private. I'd never flown on a little plane before. So I was, I was just really excited about going with these older people, going to the conference, flying private, doing the whole thing. And then about two weeks or three weeks before her homecoming weekend and before that conference, something really bad happened. She got voted into the homecoming court. Now, that's not bad. You know, she was happy about that. And I was happy for her. It was an honor to do that. But for me, it meant I was having to, I was going to now have to not go to the conference and go with her. Uh, I didn't want her to go do that alone, right? And so, I, yeah, I'm going to be her date. But I was a little pouty, right? Because no more conference for me, no more private plane for me, poor me. Um, 
I mean, I could go show my moves, but still, you know, it was kind of rough. Um, so Friday night, they uh, fly out. It's the ball game for us. They fly out in their plane. And on Saturday morning, about six in the morning, got a phone call and uh, answered the phone. And just right away, they said, uh, the person on the other side of the phone said, Jeff, I don't know how to tell you this, but um, Bob and Carol and the other three, uh, the plane crashed. Nobody survived and they all died. And that's what they said. And I was like, I was just in shock. I was like, what? <laughs> what did you just say? And they repeated it. I couldn't believe it. Like, how could that happen? How, I mean, they were I just seen them. I, I saw them before they went to the airport. Um, that, that's just doesn't even compute. I, I just couldn't even put it together. Right. How, how could this happen? And for me as a 17 year old, it was a dramatic time in my life because it was certainly a Psalm 39 thing. As, as we saw earlier, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting life is, because when you're 17, you think life's going to be forever when you're, you're not thinking about life ever ending. But these were my friends. Carol was 23. And her life was she was in heaven. I mean, her, you know, and, and it and for me, it's like, OK, like if you've seen Hamilton on Disney or maybe you've had the privilege of seeing the play, you know, I'm not giving away my shot. I'm not giving away my shot. Right. It was like one of those moments where for me as a 17 year old, it's like, man, I am not giving away my shot. God gives us one life on this planet. He gives us a mission to live for. He's gifted us for it. He wants to use us. The opportunity is there. And I'm not going to give that up. I'm going to make my life count. I don't know what exactly I'm going to do, but whatever it's going to do, it's going to be about serving Jesus and being part of what he's doing in the world through the church, living his mission on this planet, because life's too short to be distracted by anything else. Everything else is stupid in comparison. That's what I'm going to do. It was a powerful moment for me in my life. And it was also a tragic moment and a sad moment, but also a beautiful moment. At the same time, there was beauty in it. God used it in all kinds of people's lives. Uh, for one, uh, the, when, when the plane um, exploded, um, they, they had stopped and gotten topped off, topped off fuel. They got the wrong kind of fuel. They got jet fuel instead of what their, their plane wasn't a jet. And their engine um, quit in mid-flight and they crashed. And they had, uh, they had all these little memory cards these, you know, from the navigators, all, and hundreds of them. And in the explosion, there were memory cards that went for miles and miles. People in these little mountain towns in Tennessee were finding all these little Bible cards, wondering, what are these verses about? And God actually used the Bible that way. And, and there's lots of stories about these little Bible cards. But another thing they found is they found Carol, uh, who I was close to, Carol's Bible. And evidently, they, the five on the plane knew that they were going to crash. And she quickly, in the front of her Bible, wrote a note to her mom and dad uh, before they crashed. And it said this, Mom and Dad, Psalm 116.15, I love you, Carol. Psalm 116.15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. There's something to be said for knowing the Bible, by the way. But she knew it enough as a 23-year-old, Psalm 116, 15. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Love, Carol. And what God says, you say, how is that precious? Well, because they went to be with the Lord. Where it is 
far better. And you think about that amount of confidence, right? That a 23-year-old would say, Mom, Dad, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. I love you. I want you to know that kind of confidence. I believe God wants you to know that kind of confidence. And in John, it says these things were written in the Bible that you may know that you have eternal life. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to hope. You don't have to be. I, I don't know. I hope my it's not about us doing more good than bad. It's not about us. It's about what Jesus came to do on the cross on our behalf. It's not about our works. It's about his work for us. When he died on the cross for the sins of the world, your sins and mine to pay the penalty that we deserve so that we won't face judgment. He took it on himself. And the Bible says he offers that forgiveness as a gift and he rose from the dead. He conquered death. He wants to give us all new life. And therefore, we can have that kind of confidence. And we're going to pray in a little bit, an opportunity to just say, "Okay, God, I I want to know you. I, I want that kind of confidence. And for those of us who have already maybe begun a relationship with God, it's really an opportunity Like we just talked about a Psalm 39 opportunity to say, Lord, show me my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. God, I do not, you know, don't let me squander the opportunity of this life. We get one life. That's it. The Bible says it is appointed for man to live once and then to die and to face judgment. We get one life. And as we'll see next week, we'll be rewarded for all eternity, but for what we do in this life. And we have a big mission and a big opportunity. And God has thought about you. There are ways he wants to use you. Uh, You're you're not random. You've been especially crafted, the Bible says, as as his artwork, as his masterpiece to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. Don't give away your shot. And let's not let each other give away our shot. Our friends that are with us and in our groups and our family. And when they get discouraged or get distracted to say, what are you doing? We get one shot. Let's help each other make it count. With that, let's go to God in prayer. Father, I pray that today would be for us a Psalm 39 moment. That you would show us our life's end and the number of our days. that, That you would help us understand how fleeting this life is. And Father, for those who have never said yes to you and your forgiveness and your presence in their life, God, would you help them just guide them right now? It's a gift. And so you just pray something like this. God, I say yes to your forgiveness. You died for me. You died for my sin to take the penalty I deserve. So I've never faced your judgment. That's crazy because I know what I deserve, but. That's your love. That's your grace. And I say yes. And God, forgive me, make me clean. And and I I want to live my life for you and your purposes. And for those of us who've already taken that step and begun a relationship with God, just right now with God, just consider your life and think, God, am I giving away my shot? Or am am I making life count? God, where am I distracted? Where am I discouraged? And I I just need your courage. God, where am I? Where where do I need to just focus my life and refocus my life? And because however many days I have left, God, I want them to count for you and your purposes. 
Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that, that you want this life to matter. And that we can celebrate that for all eternity. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.